Welcome to the Moment of Truth Bible Baptist Church podcast, where we're listening to sermons from our pastor, Philip Koontz. This is a sermon titled, Go Tell, and it was preached on July the 11th of 2021. We, of course, invite you to visit us. We're available to uh, come and worship with at 11 a.m. on Sundays, 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school, over at 310 Randolph Road in Kansas City, Missouri, just outside of Playcomo. And now, here's Pastor Philip with Go Tell. Let's all turn to the book of Romans, chapter 13. Now, as we turn to the book of Romans, chapter 13, I want you to keep that marked, because we're going to go back to that throughout this sermon, in the middle of it and at the end. Now, we'll go to other things, so make sure you have a mark. So let's turn to Romans chapter 13 as we're going to read verses 1 through 7. Let's all please stand to honor the reading of his word. Unless you cannot, I understand. That every person be subject. I'll turn this up just a little just in case. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil works. Do you wish to have no fear of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise. For he is the servant of God for your good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger to execute wrath upon him who practices evil. So it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for the sake of or conscience. For this reason, you also pay taxes, for they are God's servants devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, taxes to whom taxes are due, respect to whom respect is due, fear to whom fear is due, and honor to whom honor is due. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Our founding pastor, my father, Robert, Robert Frederick Coons, was the chaplain here in Clay Como. In fact, I'm wearing this badge here. This was his. This was the badge that he wore in the year 2000. I always loved this badge. I like all the flags upon it. Very patriotic. I'm a patriotic founder. I love this badge. But this was his. I'm not the chaplain at this time. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to pretend that I am. I'm not. But he was a chaplain for a very long time. He became a chaplain as he was good friends with different chiefs at different times. He was good friends with Chief Richard Guyman who I love very much. Richard Guyman was a member here at the church, my brother in Christ. He was very good friends with the chief, Bob Neal, who I care for very much. I love Bob Neal. Good man. He was chief, uh, friends of chiefs, other chiefs that were there, and eventually the chief of police, my brother, Stephen Matthew Koontz, who's the uh, chief of police here in Claycoma right now. 
and I respect him very much. Not just because he's my brother, and he'd probably beat me up if I didn't say so. <laughs> no, because he's a good man. I really appreciate him. The fact is, we here at the Moment of Truth, Bible Baptist Church, we support the law. We respect the law. We will obey the law. As Christians, we are to obey the law. We are to support it and to do what the law tells us to do, because that's what God wants us to do, as it just says. This does not mean that we agree with everything that everybody says who is in office. I personally have not always agreed with what every president has ever said. There's many presidents who say things that are not godly. Even our president now doesn't always say things that are correct. He doesn't always say things that are godly. He doesn't always say things that he should say. Uh, there's certain things he said I haven't agreed with. The president before him has said things I didn't agree with, of course, and others before them. But I respect the office. The office is what we are to respect, and we do. Because our Lord is a Lord of law and order, of peace and grace. And that is the title of today's sermon. This is a sermon that could be thought of as controversial, especially nowadays. Quite frankly, I don't care. This is a sermon that must be taught. This is a sermon that needs to be taught, especially nowadays. People need to hear it. People need to know it because we need to respect the law. And when we hear about law, we need to know what we're talking about. First of all, we need to know that God comes before country. God comes before country. But in the Bible, there are two kinds of law that are spoken about. There is a law of government in the Bible, and there's a law of God. Those are two kinds of law that are spoken about in the Bible. Most of the time when the law is spoken about in the Bible, it's speaking about the law of God. The law of Jerusalem is the law of God. But there are also times it's talking about law of government. So how do we know the difference? Well, usually you can tell. All you have to do is read more than just one line, one sentence. You have to read a little more, you know, than just one little thing. Just read around it. It's not that difficult. But we're going to look at that today. So let's take a look at a few things that said. We'll take a look at a few things. First of all, let's read 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. And it says this. Submit yourselves to every human authority for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king, and in some, in some Bibles it says emperor, same thing, incidentally. It says, whether it be to the king as supreme or to the governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and to praise those who do right. For it is the will of God that by doing right, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And I like what it says here in verse 16. As free people, do not use your liberty as a covering for evil, but live as servants of God. Honor all God, honor the king. We, of course, live in a place where we don't have a king. We're not like that. However, we do have a leader. We are to honor our leaders. We're to honor the people that God has put in place. God allowed them to be put there. Whether we like them or whether we do not like them as people, we should honor their position. In Titus chapter 3, 1 through 2, it says this, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey them, to be ready for every good work, 
to speak evil of no one, not to be contentious, but gentle, showing all humility toward everyone. Oh, but we all do that. We've never said anything bad about anybody. We've never made fun of anyone in office. I have never said anything bad about anyone. Oh, that's not true. I've had a big mouth. I've said things I should not have said. And I'm ashamed of that. When I was younger, I had a very big mouth. And I said stupid jokes and stupid things. And God has shown me where I was wrong. Not because of the person who was in office or the people who were in office, but because of the position. Because the people voted it. And my father showed me where I was wrong. He says, son, I know you don't like the people, but you do have to honor the position that they are in because God placed them there for whatever reason. And you have to honor the position they're in because by not honoring them, you're not honoring what God put them in there for. Boy, you don't want to hear those types of things. You don't want to hear those types of things. That makes you feel like this big. It's true. It's true. And we have to honor it. We don't have to agree with them, but we have to honor the position they're in. We have to honor it. That's the way it is. We have to honor it. I don't agree with a lot of people in office. I certainly don't honor a lot of the things they believe. I don't, but I honor their position. But wait a minute. Oh, oh, I'm not there yet. Now, hang on. It says, this. We know what Jesus said about the people who are in office, but when he said this to them, he said, to render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So what does that mean? Caesar is in one position and God is in another. So that means God is before law. That is true. God's before law. So if there is a law that goes against the Lord God, does that mean we still have to honor that law? Well, we never have to put the law, we're never to put the state, we're never to put the government before the Lord God. Now, This confused me as a teenager. I don't believe in abortion. Abortion is murder. Now, to murder a child, I think, is the worst thing you can just about do. Now, in God's eyes, all sins are equal. But here's the thing. There is no law that says I have to murder anyone. There's no law that says that. It says that other people have the right to murder. That's still wrong, incidentally. But that being said, that being said, I don't have to agree with that. And I don't agree with that, incidentally. I don't. That being said, we don't have to agree with those. But if there was a law that tried to command me and demand me to go against God's word, I would not. I would not. And God doesn't want us to. If there is a demand for us to do something against God, we would have to put God first. We would have no choice but to put God first. God is to come before the law, because God is to be our law. Now, we can see that all over the Bible. Let's look to the Old Testament for just a second. I'm not going to tell you where to go to look for that. It is in the book of Daniel. I will tell you that. In the book of Daniel, we can see it over and over again. We can see that Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego put their life on the line. And by the way, they did. They put their life to die. They did everything they could to die for God. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, everything they did, physically speaking, when it comes to science, when it comes to physics, when it comes to everything that we know is true, they should be dead. They should be dead. Daniel was fed to the lions. 
And the lions were hungry lions. It wasn't like they had just been fed. They hadn't been fed at all. That Daniel should have been eaten up. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego were, were thrown to the fire. They should have been burnt, scientifically speaking, and everything else that is true, they should have been burnt. But God said no, and so they weren't because they put God before the rules, before the laws that were going against the Lord. They knew that God came first to them. Now, this is not to say that God is always going to save us from such things. But God wants to see who comes first in our lives. I know who comes first in my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, that's just in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, does that happen again? You bet it does. Oh, you bet it does. Paul was imprisoned. He was imprisoned over and over again. He was imprisoned because of Emperor Nero. He was thought of as one of the meanest people of all time. And he was. He still thought of as one of the meanest emperors ever. Emperor Nero was. But you know what? Even though, even though he was thought of as one of the meanest emperors of all time, Paul wrote to us in several occasions. In Titus, what we just read, Paul wrote that. In Romans, what we just read, Paul wrote that. Paul wrote that. So wait a minute. If Paul wrote that, doesn't that mean that we should still be obedient to authority? Absolutely. Paul was serving under Nero. That means that Paul, who had to serve under him, and by the way, was in prison for a very long time under that emperor, we know that he's sticking true to it because he believes in being true to God first. God first. And then there's another one, and that is Peter. Peter. Peter was imprisoned. And Peter, he was the one who wrote first Peter, of course. And he also believed in sticking true, true to the authorities that God put in charge. And he said this in Acts chapter 5, he was in prison. And why was he put in prison? Because he had the audacity while he was in Jerusalem. He had the audacity to teach in the name of Jesus. And he was healing into the name of Jesus. And, oh, they couldn't handle that. They put him in prison, him and some of his friends. But the angel came to them. And we see in chapter 5, verse 20, the angel came and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Talking about Christianity. And they did. They went and they spoke and did just what the angel of God told him to do. And as they did that, man, the guards came to see what was going on, and they saw that they weren't there. And when they saw they weren't there, boy, were they frustrated. They were so mad that they were gone. And when they went and saw that they were in the chapel, in the temple, doing what the angel told them to do, they were very, very angry. And so they went and got them and took them before the Sanhedrin and the high priest. And they, the Sanhedrin and the high priest questioned them. And they said, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? Yet now we have, uh, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring us this man's blood, talking about Jesus, this man's blood. And Peter and his other apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. They're putting God above these men. And that's exactly what they should have done. Put God first. That's what they should have done. And they did. That's what it had to be. We're living in a time right now where we see people going crazy out there. People are going crazy. They're breaking all the laws. They're going nuts out there. 
Jesus sees that there are even people out there right now doing that, that perhaps will serve him. God knows. Do you know that God chose even one of the disciples? Now, we just talked about Simon Peter, but there was another Simon. There was another Simon who was a disciple, an apostle, and Jesus chose him. Jesus chose Simon from Cana, and he was a zealot. Now, you might say, what's a zealot? Well, a zealot, first of all, they call him that because they had a lot of zeal. They had a lot of zeal, and they were aggressive. They was an aggressive political party. Now, you might know a few aggressive political parties. I don't know. But they had an aggressive, they were an aggressive political party, and they wanted so very, very much to go and speak about the uh, uh, Jewish faith and the Jewish uh, religious life and also national Jewish life. And they were so scared because they hated the Romans. They hated them for trying to take over. And they wanted so badly for the Messiah to come and destroy all the people of Rome. And they wanted to kill the Romans and do all sorts of hateful, violent acts. But Jesus saw Simon and he knew who he was in his heart. He knew he was zealous. He knew he was violent. But Jesus saw there was something within him. He saw that there could be something to change in him. But he took him and changed him. Now, now, nowadays, people see people and say, now, wait a minute. If Jesus really loves him, he'll just leave him the way he is. But that's not how Jesus works. He takes him and changes him from the way they are to what they ought to be. And God wants to do the same with these people out here, these blinded, foolish. Yes, I said Foolish people who are blinded with hate, foolishness. Oh, they have all the zeal in the world, but they have no wisdom of God. And God wants to change you, wants to take you and fill you full of wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what you need. That's what the people need. Because God wants law. He wants government and he wants order. He wants order. Order is everything needs to be put in place. Things need to be put in place. Right now, there's not much put in place because there are people all over the place putting up violence, which is not of God. People, even some people want to do it in the name of Jesus. Well, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus who wants to do it in the name of Jesus Christ, because that is blasphemy. People who want to go in the name of Jesus Christ and say things and do things that are not of the Lord God. But there are people out there, even in Seattle, Washington right now, calling themselves Chaz. What a foolish name, Chaz. Sounds like a 1980s TV show, Chaz. But let me tell you what Chaz is. Chaz is not Chad's name. No, no, no. Chaz is an anarchy group. Chaz is six blocks. Oh, it's so huge. Calling themselves like a country. Chaz, six blocks. What a big country. Six blocks. In Seattle, Washington, they're calling themselves Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, Chaz. So they're saying there's no law, but even in this no law zone, they're putting up rules, which, by the way, is law. And they said there's no leader, but automatically within a day or so, there was a leader. And they're full of rape, full of crime, killings and things already going on, robbery. They're doing all sorts of things they shouldn't be doing. They want no law. They're doing all of these things, and yet, and yet, they still want help, and yet they don't want help. You can't have both, folks. You can't. We need order. God wants order. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, 
but in humility, let each esteem the other better than himself. We're to treat others better than we do ourselves. Now, you may not know by the way I'm saying this to you today, but I try to treat everyone better than I do myself. And that's how we're supposed to treat others, not out of strife. We're not supposed to go out there and cause trouble. And I say this to everyone in love because I want to treat everyone better than me. We need to be loving, even to those people who are acting foolish. I love you. I love you. I really do love you. You might be acting very foolish, and you are, but I love you. Matthew 7, 12 is the verse I say more than every, every other verse in the world, and that is, therefore, everything you would like men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It's the fulfillment. Whatever you want people to do to you, do to them. In other words, if you want people to treat you badly, treat them bad. If you want to treat you good, treat them good. But God wants us to treat them all well. That's how we're supposed to treat them. Treat them with love and compassion. That's how we're supposed to treat people. Now, what's the difference between law and order of the land of government and the law of God? Well, quite a bit. Let's now read Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except love except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, in other words, you shall not lie, you shall not covet, and if there are any other commandments are summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love works, excuse me, love works no evil to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. We need to love. This means even if you don't like someone, we need to love them. This is where agape love is the greatest love in the world, God's love. I had someone tell me agape love is friendly love. No, it's not. That's filial love. And that's great. Filial love is great. I filial love a lot of people. Probably people don't even love me back. I'm okay with that. I don't, it doesn't bother me. But you know what? Agape love is so much more than that. That's godly love. Nobody deserves agape love, incidentally. You can't earn it. God loves you, and you certainly don't deserve it. God loves you so much, he came in the form of a son, and died for you. You don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. But I'm going to heaven. Oh, because you're so good, Pastor? No, I'm not. But he loves me. He loves me. Let's take a look now and see what the law of God is. What is the law of God? Well, first of all, in Galatians 3.21, you can write this down if you want. Galatians 3.21, it says, is the law then contrary to the promises of God? We're talking about salvation. Is it contrary to the promises of God? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, righteousness would indeed come through the law. 
In other words, no, no, no works, no works can save us. No works can save us. No law can save us. There's no law that can save us. And so therefore, Jesus Christ came. Listen to this, Romans 3.20 and 3.21. I love this. Let me go back on it. Romans 3.20 and Romans 3.31. This is beautiful. Therefore, by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, Jesus' sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Yes, yes. It's through the law that we know that we have sinned. We know we've sinned. We know it. People say, oh, I didn't know I did wrong. Yes, you did. Yes, you do. You know, you said, when I was a little kid, and I was still a Twinkie, or whatever it was from the kitchen, and he's like, yeah, but that was your own house. Yeah, but I knew I shouldn't have done it. I knew it. I would, I would take a cookie or whatever it was. And by the way, yeah, I usually go to the kitchen because that's usually where I took things I shouldn't have took. Obviously. Obviously. I took things I wasn't supposed to. Mama told me, don't eat before supper. Okay, mom. And walk away. Yes, I did wrong. I did wrong. You pastor? Are you shocked? You shouldn't be. I did wrong. For all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Same chapter, by the way. Same chapter. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.31 Do we then make the law void through faith? God forbid. Instead, we establish the law through faith. We establish the law. We establish the law of God. So there's the law of the land. It's different than the law of God. But we're talking about the Ten Commandments now. They're established by faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And we can say this because we know that Jesus Christ fulfilled it. We'll get to that in a minute. First John chapter two, four through six says this. Whoever says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly has the love of God perfected in him. By this, we know we are in him. Whoever says he remains in him ought to walk as he walked. For those who said that they love Jesus Christ and they're out there breaking the law all the time, hating people, saying hateful things all the time on Facebook, saying hateful, disgusting things, cursing all the time, not feeling guilty about it, doing all sorts of hateful, disgusting gestures and saying, I love Jesus Christ and doing these terrible things and then mocking Jesus Christ. You got to be ashamed of yourself. You're supposed to represent Jesus Christ. And we're breaking the laws of Jesus constant. I say we, and I'm the royal we. I'm saying that in the sense I'm trying to save you a little bit of embarrassment. But in reality, we should feel guilty Take a look at your salvation. Make sure that you have the Holy Spirit. By the way, the moment you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit. Make sure you have the Holy Spirit within you. Because if you don't feel guilty, you should. I should. We should all. John 14, 15. If you love me, Jesus Christ said this. If you love me, keep my commandments. But when we're saved, we don't have to keep the commandments. When we're saved, we should keep the commandments because we love him. Keep the commandments. If you love him, you do. When you love someone, you're true to him. If you really love him, you won't commit adultery on the Lord. When you love him, you're true to him. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law. Oh, come on now. Listen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish 
but to fulfill. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one dot or one mark will pass from the law until, until, one more time, until all be fulfilled. They're not gone. They're not gone. The law's not gone. The prophets aren't gone. He's fulfilling them every day. He fulfilled them, and he continued to fulfill them. And by the by, we are supposed to continue to live by them, not because we're not saved if we don't, but because when we have Jesus in our heart, we're supposed to truly want to live by them. And we're supposed to feel guilty when we don't. We're supposed to know that. Incidentally, incidentally, are we in the last days? Yes, we have been for 2,000 years. We have been. This is not to make light of it. However, know this. We are in a time of lawlessness, and we know that. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 through 21, and by the way, this is not a time-restricted statement, okay? It says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Light for darkness. Who exchange bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. There are a lot of people right now who things are so wise, but they go completely against the word of God. And we're not to be that way. I'm sure right now you're probably thinking of a million different people. And you're probably right. So what will we do? Well, we've got to pray for them. We've got to show them the love of the Lord. We've got to live by the law of God and obey the law of the land. Not because you'll be lost if you don't. We're to be examples. We're living in a time, we already know the right will be wrong, the wrong will be right. We just said that. But here's the thing. Yes, we're living in the last days. We're living in a time of lawlessness. You can see it. Every day you're getting on the news, you're seeing lawlessness everywhere. Well, let's take a look at some of this lawlessness. We can see the people. We just talked about some of the lawlessness. We talked about it a while ago. What's going on in Washington? That's not the only place. We've seen all over the place. Lawlessness. People wanting lawlessness. We don't want police. We don't want them. Listen, we need the police. They, let's say they get what they want. What are they really going to get? No one to protect them. Who's going to protect them when someone comes in and tries to kill them? Who's going to protect them when someone steals their things? Someone needs to stop them. And no, no, you don't have someone to stop them. You don't got that anymore. But this is what the Bible says in 1 John 3, 4 through 6. Whoever practices sin breaks the law, for sin is lawlessness. That's what it says. You know that he was revealed to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever remains in him does not sin. Whoever sins has not seen him and does not know him. Now, this doesn't mean this, that's talking about those who are lost. But here's the thing. When we're saved, we shouldn't be that way. We should get away from that. Matthew 24, 12, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, what is iniquity? What is iniquity? Immoral behavior. This is why we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to follow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses our conscience. People say, well, we just listen to our conscience. Well, now listen, I'm going to tell you something. Lost people have a conscience, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses the conscience to tell us this is right, this is wrong. But when you are lost, you don't know right from wrong. 
because you're being told by other people that this is right when it is actually wrong. On TV, they're always saying this is right when you know it's wrong because the word of God tells us so and the Holy Spirit tells us so. We know that. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, what communion has light with darkness? In other words, this doesn't mean not to love the people of the world. We can love them, but we're not to be like them. We're not to be combined with them. We need to be careful. We need to be careful. I have a lot of friends, a lot of friends. Many of them are lost. I have to be very careful, very careful, because if I'm not careful, they can persuade. Why? Why? Because though I'm saved, I still have the flesh in me, just like you do. And so therefore, daily, I have to go to Christ. Daily, I have to say, Lord, you must increase. I must decrease. And as you can see, it's hard for me to decrease. So we have to continuously go to God and make sure that we allow him to live in us. It's a constant inner war, an inner battle, but we can continue to go on. Second Corinthians 10.3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, because we can continue to go on, and there can be peace because of that, because it's the Holy Spirit that we can find it. Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 14 tells us, you brothers have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty to give an opportunity to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For the entire law is fulfilled by one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We can find that peace. We can find peace in this world, even in this world. But this means this. We're not to constantly be having mouthy, argumentative bickering. You see it all the time. I see it all the time. People bickering with one another, arguing, being mouthy constantly, wanting to fight. I see it whether it be on the Internet, whether it be in families, whether it be to neighbors, whether it be people on TV wanting to bicker about politics. Don't do that. That's not the important things. It's really not. Be loving. Be kind. We Christians need to be peace finders, peace, peace seekers. Speak the truth in love. And with that, they can see the grace, the grace of the Lord through our faith. Galatians 3.11, now it is evident that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. For the just shall live by faith. Remember, God is a Lord of law and order of peace and grace. And one last thing I'm going to read to you is the last part of chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. says this, Furthermore, knowing the time, now is the moment to awake from sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us take off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in immorality and wickedness, 
not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The Lord God wants us to stand strong. He doesn't want us to be mouthy towards these people that are falling apart. They're falling apart because they don't know the truth. And there's even some who are out there right now, and I'm not saying they're not saved, but they're easily being persuaded by those around them. They're being caught in the waves. Have you ever been out in the ocean and the waves catch you off guard? You're not even aware of it at first. Before long, you're a mile out. You're a mile out. And you're nearly in the middle of, I don't know, almost the middle of the ocean. At least that's how it seems. And suddenly, you almost seem like you're over your head in the water. That's what's going on with a lot of people right now. We don't need to be concerned. But we need to make sure we don't get caught in those waves. Keep yourself steadfast in the Lord. Make sure that you keep yourself in the law of the Lord. Make sure that you are following him, not in the argumentative emotions of the world right now. I'm not for one minute saying that if you break laws of this land or laws of the Lord, you're going to hell for that. I'm simply saying that if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to hell. And if you are one of God's children, you should follow the law of this land and of him because we are a testimony. And if we are not following him, what a horrible testimony we'd be. You're to carry the badge of the cross upon our heart. And by our actions, we are known. By our actions, he is known. Let his law be seen in us. Let us bow in prayer. Dear precious Heavenly Father, I pray right now for this land. I pray right now, Lord God, for the lost, for the scared. There are many out there who are terribly afraid, and they don't know what to do. They don't know who to turn to. There might be some who are afraid to call for the police. So right now, Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for them who don't know who to call, who to turn to. But Lord, let them know they can turn to you. Let them know you're always there. You never leave them. Lord God, I pray for the police, every single one of them. Lord, I know they're not all bad. I know there are many, many good. And Lord God, I know that there are some who have made mistakes, and I pray, Lord God, that they will turn to you and change their ways. I know there are many out there who are getting caught in the waves of sin. I know they're not all in the same waves, Lord, but I pray for those who are caught out there in it because it's around them. Please, Lord, help them. For those who are doing wrong, I know you still love them. I pray that they will turn around and get things right. Lord God, if there are any believers who are out there who are caught in it, I pray they will turn around. I pray, Lord God, that maybe they can even be used to show those others to turn to you, that this is not too late. And Lord God, I pray for this country. Lord, let this country get right, get back to you. This country was founded on your word. And I pray that it will turn back. I pray all of this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Lord Jesus, I pray.
Amen.